I'm Andrea Butcher, and this is Being at Work. Being a leader is hard. So on this show, I set out to talk with experienced leaders to learn from their pivotal moments, how they led through the challenges we can all relate to but are often unheard. Hey, podcast listeners, you know it's going to be a good conversation when in one minute you're laughing and in the next minute you're moved to tears. Well, today's leadership lessons are shared by Seth Morales, President and Chief Operating Officer of the Morales Group, a diverse leader in staffing solutions. Cultural health is key to Seth's leadership. He is super intentional about creating an environment in which his employees and those they serve can be their best. He not only reminds employees that each of them has an opportunity to be a light, he models that for them as he is such a bright light. During our time together, Seth shared the details of a two-year process in which the leaders of the Morales Group hunker down to operationalize their shared values and their shared vision. Listen in to learn from Seth about his key learnings during the process. Yeah, so I've, I've been on board with Morales Group for 14 years. And part of my journey was initially I was a, just kind of a worker bee on the sales front. I came in to help build the business. I was employee number five. And uh, that was kind of a special moment for me to kind of see the business start at an early stage and then build it from ground up. Played in the sales role for about seven years and then got into leadership uh, after my seventh year into kind of a mid-level manager and then eventually a, an executive and then you know president and CEO today. So it's been a, an interesting ride. There's been some bumps in the road, but it's been fun to um, play in, I think, a, a number of different roles from somebody who's actually on the front lines to uh, kind of a mid-level uh, leader and then kind of a, today a leader of leaders, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the the high end. Leader of leaders. That's right. That's something that is very apparent in the work that you do. I, I see that in your social media posts. I, I read that in the things you write about. Yeah. But yeah. developing leaders is really important to you. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's a good quote, you know, businesses don't grow, people do, right? So you think about Defenders and Dave Lindsay saying, sharing that. Same thing at Morales Group. You know, if you don't have cohesive leadership, if you don't have leaders that are pouring into other leaders, um, it's hard to scale and grow the business. And so we've been pretty intent with making sure that we lift up our top top leaders at, at, at Morales Group and we take time to give them the means, the, the, the pathways to develop, whether it's getting an advanced education or getting them plugged in at True U. But it's really important that we're just intentional about lifting them up because th- when they get better, we get better. And then, you know, it's just, it, to me, I'm competitive. So you want your top coaches playing at the highest level. So you got to get them better at all times. And doesn't everyone need to be lifted up? Yes, for so, sure. So thank you for doing that, yeah. for modeling that. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful opportunity to just lift others up and uh, see them thrive. It's, it's, it's been a learning uh, opportunity for me this year to kind of step out of the way and delegate more and let them kind of um, step into more just responsibility. And that's something that I've learned as a leader. I wish they would have taught that in business school at Notre Dame, or if somebody would have pulled me aside to teach me how to delegate better. Because I think there's a lot of new leaders that come into roles like myself that uh, don't necessarily know how to let go of or let control uh, Mm -hmm. go. I think Sarah Blakely said it best at the founder of Spanx. She talked about how if somebody could do a job as well as you at 70 or 80% of your level, like that's when you need to step away and let them 
kind of take the reins. And even if it's not up to your 100, 110% expectation, they can be really effective and you need to kind of get out of the way so your business can scale and let others help kind of lift it up. That's great. Good philosophy. And thanks yeah. for sharing the quote. I'd never heard that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, for sure. So you talk about cohesive leadership. Yep. I know that you have a story that really brings that home for yeah. you. A situation when in, upon reflection, you see the value of cohesion. I, I think back to cohesive leadership and I think about probably the single most important thing that happened to me as a leader. And I had kind of, I had front row seats. Um, I wasn't necessarily the single leader as president and CEO at the time running the company, but I was learning to become a leader. And uh, our business at the time had had some decent growth. We had two founders and both founders complemented each other in, in certain ways to a point. And one of the founders was my father. The other was uh, a, a gentleman that was uh, good in his own right with back office, uh, finance, uh, systems. He understood technology and uh, they complemented each other. But we got to a point where we started to grow and we started to sputter. And what I, what I realized was uh, these two leaders weren't cohesive with their mission, their values, and where they wanted to take the business. And so what happened was you had kind of two different voices and two different visions for the company. And so that created, I think, two different uh, divisions and camps. And it was really hard to operate. And so we had all this growth up to a point. And we had, yeah, at the time, I remember this is 2011, 2012, we were about $34 million in revenue, but we had no profit. And we just kind of hit this standstill. And it was like, this is not working. This was a, a, just a two leaders that were unevenly yoked. And when you see two leaders that are unevenly yoked, they don't have the same core values or they don't uh, want to operate the offense in the same manner or style, you're going to have disruption. And so you're not going to have growth. You're not going to have an engaged culture. And so I saw that firsthand as kind of a, a leader to be. Uh, th this was my dad and his business partner. And it was a good challenge for us because we, we really sputtered as a company. So I think about that time and um, I take a step back. I challenged my father to really kind of do something about it. And this was in 2011. And so my, my wife and I were, were sitting with my dad by the fire holidays. We're talking to him and we're like, dad, you got to do something like this is not working. And I remember him specifically saying, you know what, right now, I don't want to make a change. I don't, I don't feel like it's needed. We can find a way to make this, this leadership thing work um, on our own. And so that was, that was hurtful. I, I know it was kind of a, a punch to the gut. You know, my wife and I, my wife and I worked together at the time and uh, we both kind of took a step back and said, you know what, if they're going to continue to operate with kind of this lack of cohesion and leadership, we want to, we want to thrive in an organization that has that. And we want to better ourselves to either start something like that or find an organization that has a cohesive leadership team. And so one of the things that we thought we should do was go to grad school and get our MBA and kind of professionally develop that way. So we got into Notre Dame and did the executive MBA program. But I think about that time and that was hard. There was probably about a year period where we continued to operate into the next year. And we had all this revenue, no profit. We were in grad school. And my dad finally kind of came to this crossroads where he realized, all right, if I don't do anything, this is going to continue mm -hmm. on and it's not going to be super healthy or not profitable. 
I got to make a change. And so he finally found a way to, to buy out the, the minority partner. And that is when our business started to shift. And that was a, a really special like moment for me to realize, okay, we took a step back, we had to pause, but we have to like clean things up and get our organizational health right before we step forward. And so that's when I think the magic started to happen. I can just imagine you all hunkering down. Yeah, 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 we did. <laughs> so we rolled up our sleeves. We, you know, we got a hold of the PL statement. We started to do just tactical things. But then most importantly, we got off site and got a business coach and really started to plug into our core values and our mission statement. And so we had 10 core values. We whittled it down to three, be humble, be courageous, and be a light. And then we really refined our, our mission statement, which is building better futures one story at a time. And so when we did that and we started to share that with the team and we did that in a manner where we had a monthly cadence and we would bring everyone together to talk about those three core values and the mission statement, we started to notice a real difference in our business. People started to become more engaged. There was clarity with where we were going. And then the business in turn started to see you know, benefits as well. We started to grow quite a bit in revenue. We went from 34 million that year where it was kind of dismal. This is 2012 with no profit to 48 million, 73 million, 90 million, 125. Wow. And today we're, we're on a run rate to do about 150 million. So that was a really good um, educational experience for me to see if you don't have cohesive leadership and your culture is not super sticky and aligned, you are going to struggle as a business if you don't take care of those two things. And so that was a that was a big kind of learning moment for me. Oh, this is so good. So I hear cohesive leadership. I mean, you said that over and over. So that's yeah. at the heart of, as you reflect back on the situation, that's the heart of what's gotten you to where you are. Yeah. I also hear shared values and one shared vision now. Because you talked about previously, there were two voices, multiple visions. So you've come together cohesive set of values, vision. How, how did you do that? Tell us a little bit more about the process that got you there. Yeah. So first it started with the three of us, my father, Jackie, and myself. We got the, the vision and the core values kind of defined. And then what we were, we were really intentional about bringing the team together mm -hmm. and having a cadence around it. And so that was a tough year um, because we still had folks that were in um, the other owner's camp that still held on. And so yeah. we found a way to kind of work through that, whether uh, we parted ways or we found a way to get them to kind of buy into where we were going. But the single most important thing that we did was create our Legos program. And Legos stands for loving every gift of service. And what we do is we nominate monthly our coworkers uh, who have gone above and beyond the call of duty with our three core values. And so if somebody was um, courageous or humble, or somebody was a light, we nominate them to our Legos address, legos at moralesgroup.net. And what's great about that is we collect those Lego nominations and then we share those nominations in front of the team at a monthly huddle called our Legos meeting. And so people get an individual Lego block and they end up building this home. And there's these four walls that are built up over the course of the year. And so we monthly engage and intentionally get folks to think about it. And then when the four walls are built up and we're profitable enough as a company, we actually go down and build homes in Mexico. Oh, and that's mm -hmm. kind of party, part of fulfilling the, the, the mission of the company. Yeah. And through, so through Homes of Hope. Yeah. Through Homes of Hope, which you love, obviously love have program. some experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 
that's been really cool to get buy-in. It creates a cadence and it's just a great way, I think, to intentionally develop and hone in on your core values. And ensure people are looking for your values. Right. So they're not just up on a wall. It's yeah. values in action yeah. at yeah. Morales Group. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I didn't think about it like that, but it's definitely values in action. It's a work in progress. It took some time. It took about a year or two for folks to get caught on. But when you have that intentional monthly reminder, uh, it's so cool to see people lift it up and to see how we, we start to get uh, vendors or suppliers getting Legos, and then we get our partners getting Legos. Uh-huh. And so we start to invite those folks to our Legos <laughs> awesome. meetings. So it's really cool. That's it's awesome. a cool way to um, kind of build a community around a, a cool cause. Oh, yeah. So let's talk more about that process for you. Yep. So about how long, Seth, would you say it, it took for that to catch on and become a rhythm that was natural for you all? It took us about two years. Okay. And it was, you know, two years of just intentional hard work, making sure we had that monthly cadence, that we found ways to build upon our employee engagement to ensure that when you were hired on board, you understood our core values and mission statement. One thing that I do that I think is really intentional as a leader is I meet with every new hire. We'll do new hire classes and I'll do uh, an hour presentation on the why. So we talk about Simon Sinek's why. We have our own why and we do our golden circle and uh, we talk about our core values and our mission and our vision and what we try to stand for. Because I think Morales Group is more of a cause disguised as a company. And so when you think about the cause is to truly build better futures, empower those that are underserved. And uh, it's a great way to reinforce again, like at the start, I tell all the new hires, if there's one bit of information that you need to soak up, it's that hour with me on Mm -hmm. what, you know, it's kind of our North star of uh, how we guide the team. And that's really, that's really intentional. It's important. I still do it today. We have about 150 staff members so it's starting to get a little bit harder as we have had a lot of growth, but it's something that I'm not going to let go of today because I see the importance of it. Yeah. And we are hired, wired to want to belong to something. Yeah. And so you're giving them at the onset, this is what you belong to. Gives yeah. them something to connect to. Yeah. It's, it's neat to see because a lot of times when we interview, uh, we talk about we want to hire for character and train for skill. And in our business, I don't think we're kind of at the low end of the recruiting from a technical standpoint. So we feel like we can get any recruiter up to speed on technically learning how to recruit, but what we're really looking for, do they have that alignment with how we operate the mm-hmm. business with building better? Do you want to serve? Mm-hmm. Are you a light? And so we we're really intentional about making sure we find talent that has that servant mm-hmm. heart. So a lot of times we interview Kind of from the bottom up of the resume, we're not necessarily going to the tactical, technical past experiences. We're looking at where do you volunteer? What what makes what makes your heart sing? Like what's mm-hmm. what's important? And mm-hmm. So all that I think makes a really big difference with um, the folks now that we have coming in the door. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about those people who've never thought about themselves as a light. Like that yeah. that gets me yeah. <laughs> because yeah. now all of a sudden it's oh, I can be a light. Yep. Yes, I'm a light. Yeah. And there's different ways you can be wow. around. You can be upfront as your uh, first impression or admin, and uh, you can be a light to somebody who's coming in who's had a bad day. You can be a light to a coworker who's having a tough challenge. Uh, you can be a light to a customer in ways that maybe they didn't think. And so there's a lot of different ways that we've created how to be a light. 
And uh, mm-hmm. it's neat to reinforce that with, with our core values. And so it's, I think it's caught on. We, we've got yeah. daily huddles that happen throughout the week with our recruiters and they always finish with kind of chanting that the three core values. So again, we, we try to find ways to, you know, uh, reinforce uh, why we do what we do and it's working. So it's been yeah. good. Okay. So let's talk about you during those two years. Yeah. Cause this was a new leadership challenge for you. And so no doubt you learned a lot about yourself. Yep. There were challenging moments for you. Yep. As you reflect back, what, what were some of your biggest learnings? Those were, those were rich learnings uh, for me because I, I, I stumbled quite a bit. I think about one thing that comes to my mind. I was learning to find my voice. Um, I struggled with radical candor. I struggled with uh, spirited conversations. And that was something that being a, a you know, a new executive kind of, you know, my dad was very um, gracious in letting us help run the business day to day. So while I didn't have the president title, we had a lot of responsibility. And so those were some learnings with learning how to find your voice and speak up or challenge somebody. It was something that I hadn't done as much in the mm-hmm. past. I think learning to lead leaders was, was yeah. big for me. So we had an executive team and we had to find a way to kind of create cohesion within that executive team, but how are we developing Mm -hmm. um, those leaders? And then how are you developing kind of that next level below them? And so I think some of that started to happen as I was growing as a leader. The other thing that's really important, I think with any business that grows, especially with our growth rate, you don't want to lose what's made you special, but at the same time, you have to professionalize if you want to grow and scale. And so there's an art to learning to hold people accountable Mm -hmm. while keeping um, the essence and the purpose. what's been. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been, that was probably, I think one of the biggest learnings I had was learning how to balance that, but also get people on board with, Hey, this individual might not be the best suited for this role in the future. We, we may have outgrown this, this talent and uh, we need somebody else to kind of take it to another level. Mm -hmm. And so how do you do that with like respect and openness so it's, it was a really big challenge because when you go from 20 or 30 staff to 150 staff, there's folks that um, sometimes are either, um, you know, it's just the business outgrows them. And mm-hmm. so you have to find a way to like graciously either exit them out of the business or repurpose them for another role. Mm-hmm. There's tough. a JFK quote that just is like, so in my head, when you're talking about that, hold fast to the best of the past, move fast to the best of the future. I love it. That's great. Because doesn't that, like the legacy that your dad and his partner built and what you and Jackie are now bringing, you've yeah. got both. It's yeah. the coexisting yeah. of you all got, of it that yeah. makes it what it is. Yeah, because I think if you you focus just on the future, you're losing, I think, kind of the, the special sauce that helped build absolutely. and create Morales Group. And I think- Because it wouldn't exist if that no, hadn't been. absolutely. I mean, I think about even- so I think about my dad and my dad's partner. While there were some challenges there, there was so much like good and creativity mm-hmm. that came to the into the mix. And so there are things that we have extracted from that and mm-hmm. held on to from mm-hmm. the past that they're non-negotiable. We're not going to get rid of them. You know, it, it's for example, we're not going to get rid of our our trip down to Mexico to do the home builds, and that was something that was already kind of evident um, prior to that. And so our giving heart, my dad's giving nature. We're going to continue to just support all the communities around Morales Group in the city of Indianapolis. So we're going to, you know, hold on to those kind of core tenets. My grandfather challenged my dad as he was kind of 
getting ready to pass of cancer to really make a difference and give back, but in a way that wasn't just cutting a check, wasn't just like serving the community, but really like mm-hmm. making an impact. And my dad felt like the one way he could do that was providing a job. And so we think about that story of the American dream about yeah. wanting better, wanting to lift up others. And so we see Morales Group and that just kind of heart of the origination of how we started to really kind of uh, lift and empower those that are underserved because we're mm-hmm. staffing people in the blue collar ranks that make $15 an hour. It's a very unsexy work, but it's meaningful. There's purpose. And, and you're reminding them that they are a light. Yes. Yes. We, they we, have an opportunity. Yes, for sure. And I think there's a lot of companies out there that see them as just uh, somebody to, to get the job done and they're not empowering or lifting them up or taking them from any job to a better job to eventually a career. Yeah. So we call that ABC and we feel like there's a real opportunity there to empower a workforce that I think is being left behind in mm-hmm. some rights. So it's a cool, cool opportunity for mm-hmm. us. Well, and particularly in this market yeah. when there's such a job shortage and you're encouraging everyone to step up and yeah. we need your talent. Yeah, there's there's definitely a shortage in this market and it's it's really difficult right now to find labor given right. uh, boomers exiting the workforce and the skilled gap kind of widening. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunity, I think, for those that are there ready, raising their hand. We just need to provide them pathways or we need to be a coach and be a light for them. So as you're building this cohesive team, you're working with Jackie, you're working with your dad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, what I hear you saying, you're learning about yourself is learning to find your voice, radical candor, yeah, leaning into tough kind of conversations yep. and then leading leaders. Those were things that you learned yeah. through that process. Just if you grew up in my family, just for some context, not the most confrontational family, not a lot of... Uh, radical candor. And so the way I was raised, it was to be a little bit more agreeable. And so I've had to learn to uh, flex that muscle. I think somebody that's been really um, helpful as a coach, there's a woman in town, Sally Tassani, and Mm -hmm. she's been a great coach to kind of push on Jackie and I to find our voice, practice difficult conversations. And it comes with the territory. As a leader, you're going to have to fire people. You're going to have to make cuts. You're going to have to have difficult conversations with your vendors. And so I think it's been helpful to um, be around other leaders who've coached me on how to have those conversations. Yeah. But it's, it's been, it's been a good work in progress for me. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things you'll continue to develop for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with the radical candor model. So Kim Scott book. Yeah. And so she talks about caring personally and challenging directly. So don't you love those two? Love it. Yes. That's what makes that model so powerful. It's like, okay, if I really care about this person and this situation and our vision, then I'm going to challenge and I'm going to do it directly. Yeah. Like the single biggest thing for me is when somebody is let go from your organization and they're caught off guard, that means that you didn't necessarily have uh, a transparent conversation with their performance and you should care enough to want to make sure that they're not caught off guard. Yeah. And so I think... I always kind of think about truth over harmony while I, 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 I really do care for you. And that's why I'm going to be truthful in my feedback to you on how you're performing. And so we're really trying to work with our, our leadership and our, our mid-level group of, of managers to, to flex and build that muscle. But I see a lot of, you know, when you think about our organization, it's very familial. 
Um, if you think about the disc profile, we're very mm-hmm. um, I and S oriented. So uh, there's a lot of hugs and vibes yeah. and feel good. A lot of relationships. Yeah. Right. But there's also a lack of transparency yeah. and accountability. But I, I think uh, as I see more leaders that I'm around, I'm in YPO. And that's been a great opportunity for me to see how leaders have built other leaders in their organization. I think there's a lot of uh, companies out there that don't realize the importance of lifting up. I call them your like offense and defense coordinators, the key mm-hmm. like leaders in your organization. We have coaches, we have forums for all of our uh, key execs and key directors. And that's something that's non-negotiable. We need to make sure that we're always kind of lifting up and, and pouring into those folks. And that's helped mm-hmm. us, I think, with our growth. And so Another thing that I think we're doing that that's intentional and it's helped um, our leaders grow. So one final wrap up question. Yeah. So if you could go back to that two year process and give yourself some advice going into that, what advice would you give young Seth? Young Seth. <laughs> um, it's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I think I needed to have it figured out right away. Don't be so hard on yourself. Have some grace. I think the other thing that I, I look at like my, early thirties as, as I was becoming a leader, probably the best advice I would go back to share with myself is don't let your job or career define who you are. Mm. Something that I've struggled with as a, as a young professional and as a, now an exec and a leader, not just being defined by the business that you've built. And so that's probably one of the best things that I would have taken to share with my, my, mm-hmm. my younger self in the past. Great advice. Yeah. Thank you. For our listeners. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, the power in story are the lessons that we can gain. And there's all kinds of things you shared with us today. My key takeaways are the power of cohesion within the team, shared values, shared vision, and then operationalizing that across the business. Yes. That's what you've done. So if our listeners want to connect with you, what is yes. the best way for them to do that? I think the best way to connect with me is just jump on LinkedIn. I'm, a, I'm an open network. Definitely send me a quick uh I'd like to connect, heard your podcast. It's it, obviously just type in the search bar, Seth Morales, and you can find me. So that that would probably be the easiest way. Okay. You also have a podcast. We do. This Skill yeah. up, build up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we're it's powered by Morales Group, but it's all about kind of solving the issue with uh, the skills gap and just talent shortage and how we can answer that. So uh, definitely check that out. Yeah. And wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Thank you, Seth. So good to connect with you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story.